welcome to another episode of the Talk Flagler podcast. I am your host, Chris Gollin, writer for AskFlagler.com. And today we have a very exciting guest, Mr. John Finelli. Hey, Chris. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. Uh, It's great to have you in. Great to have you on the show. Um, So you just wrapped up an interim term on the Palm Coast City Council. Um, You were the fourth person to hold the seat in one regular four-year term, which I think is a pretty neat little stat. Um, how are you feeling now that the term has come to an end? So, you know, it's kind of bittersweet, you know, um, I've really enjoyed my time, um, up there just really getting to know the inner workings of the city and, and get to meet and interact with, um, um, other local government officials with all of the people that work for the city with our local citizens. Um, so it, it was a great experience, but it's also a tremendous amount of work. So, um, it is it is a little bit of uh, of a relief to kind of get a little time back because already having a, a job that takes more than the, the regular day to get it done and then adding this on top of it was a lot. Yeah, it be challenging. Absolutely, um, I can imagine you know, the the um, <clears throat> the agenda materials before each meeting is pretty lengthy. I get them myself. Um, it's and it can be in the hundreds of, uh, of pages. And then you get some of it like more in detail during the meeting. Uh, what like what was the workload like leading up to a meeting? Were you starting days out in advance? Were you cramming the night before? How'd you so for that? sure. And in order to really do the due diligence to make the best decisions for the citizens, um, sometimes those agendas that we would get them on Thursday for a meeting on Tuesday. And sometimes those agendas would be upwards of six, 800 pages, like you were saying. So um, first thing I do is I, you know, I want to read through that agenda, see what's on there, start um, jotting down uh, some questions that I have. Every Monday I would meet with the city manager and, and kind of go over those questions. Um, if I needed to from there, I'd meet with some of our directors. Uh, a lot of times leading up to it, things that we knew were coming up on, on future agendas, a lot of times there would be um, meetings with different departments or uh, meetings out in the community with citizens to gather input on, on uh, things that were going on. So um, there's always a lot of preparation leading up to um, whether it was a workshop or, or a business meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed in the the applicant pool, uh, I believe there were eight names. I want to say uh, when uh, when Councilman Barbosa resigned, um, then there were there were eight applicants who came and were interviewed. Some of them had, had run for office before. You had um, Perry Matrano who had run for mosquito control. You had Bob Kaufman who ran for that council seat in twenty twenty. You had Carl Jones, I believe, ran for school board mm-hmm. uh, a few years back. Is holding an elected office, which even though you weren't elected by the people, your seat is part of an elected office. Is that something you'd strongly considered before uh, applying for the interim term? So, you know, it had always been something that I was interested in. Right. And um, and when I saw this opportunity come up to kind of stick my toe in the water and, and see what it was like. Um, it, it was just something that that really um, interests me. And, uh, you know, I been in Palm Coast over 35 years now and kind of follow politics and local politics and, and beyond. And um, it, I just felt a calling to put my name in on it. And I got to tell you, like you were saying, there were eight applicants and all of them with such diverse background and, and history and knowledge. Um, I, I was humbled to be selected out of the eight, truly, because it, it was a qualified group of really good candidates. Mm-hmm. 
how does your view on potentially running for office one day, how has that changed now that you have had that little experience on there? So in, in some ways, it's really it's really strengthened um, my desire to serve more. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely am considering what the future holds for me. Uh, definitely not ruling out whether it, you know, be um, council, commission, school board. I, I, I'm not sure yet. And I have time you know, to think about it. Um, but in other ways, I'm reluctant to as well, because I, I did see um some of the campaigning that took place in, in our local elections. And, and I don't always felt that it was fair and honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that bothers me uh, because I, I am a person that um, prides myself on, on my integrity and always being fair and honest. And I would hope that if I did run for a, uh, a position in the future, that whoever ran against me for that position would be fair and honest in, in their campaign as well. Gotcha. In your farewell address, which is a very highly recommend that listen for anyone listening who hasn't didn't watch that meeting, uh, you touched on some of the working relationships you had with the fellow council members. Um, The Palmco City Council has been, for better or worse, contentious uh, before you got there during your term. uh, A lot of strong personalities, strong opinions. So how challenging was it to try and reach equitable solutions uh, in a group who often had pretty radically different perspectives? I think those different perspectives are really important because that's how we get to the best decisions, right? Mm-hmm. If everybody just agrees and we're all just yesing votes and moving right through it, then are, are we really taking the time to vet different perspectives and, and make sure that we're making the right decision for the city? So I loved it when a, a fellow councilman or the mayor would challenge the, the beliefs of, of one of the other council members up there. Of course, I want it to always be done in, in a way where we are honoring the positions that we're in and, you know, and it really needs to be directly towards whatever the vote is, is going to be on. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't believe in, in name calling or yelling or, or any of that, uh, any theatrics like that. But I, I believe I, I want somebody to tell me why they don't agree with me. And, and to provide facts of, of why they don't agree with me. And, and maybe that will persuade me to change my mind and, and what I believe. And I think that is so important to coming to the best decisions um, on the council. You want that dialogue. You, you want there to be that discourse. You want people to not agree with you because then you feel good at the end of the day when you're able to defend your argument of why you feel that way. Or maybe change your position based off of of the decisions that are are brought to the table, right? Mm -hmm. So I I really felt like when we didn't all agree, that's when we come to the best decisions, right? And sometimes that's not always true. Sometimes there are going to be something where we we all just feel and know that that's the right thing that needs to happen, right? But other times it's not always that way. But I always felt better after we had that dialogue because I either felt stronger about what I believed in or sometimes I, I, it made me think a little bit more about why I felt that way. Right. And, and if there wasn't another way to view it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you were definitely in a different uh, position than some of the other council members when you got on the council. Um, you know, there was kind of a finish line in sight right from back. Cause I believe you got it in June. Was it? Was it no, little- no, it was actually in, um, I came on in March. Okay, March. I have my my timeline all mixed up. Yeah. My head. Um, March to December. But you came in, so yeah, with a little bit of a, a shorter timeline, obviously than um, 
than the usual four-year term for the council. So with that in mind, um, was there any was there any sort of hesitation to um, kind of put yourself out there really hard in the beginning? Was there any inclination towards timidity or did you want to make the most of those months uh, in any way you could? So, so really, um, my, my whole purpose and reason for running was just to, to be a solid representative for the citizens and to make good decisions. So from the day I got up there, and um, I, I believe it was the, uh, the very next meeting, there was a vote on council compensation. And I spent so much time researching it and and um and just looking at uh what had been proposed earlier and and what i felt was a, a reasonable answer to that and and i actually came in at that that second council meeting and put forth a, a proposal that was then voted on and accepted by the other councilmen and the mayor and that was my my second meeting in in office and that was that was a trial by fire because that was, was one of the most um, contentious issues. Uh, use the word again um, that the city had, the city council went through in this calendar year, and it's had a, some interesting last couple of years. Um, I mean, gosh, you had people protesting outside mm-hmm. of meetings with, with, with handmade signs and things. Uh, some really long public comment sessions with some really fired up uh, opinions. Um, was there like how, and I, and I guess you kind of said it like it was it was quick and it was intense, but like how how was that having one of the first things that you did be that intense, that much scrutiny, just with with hardly any preparations? So so it was tough, right? So I, I didn't realize like when I came in, all of a sudden it was like boom, we've got this big issue here that um, that we need to make some difficult decisions on, and and I'll tell you, it's it's an ugly look when you vote yourself a raise with citizen money, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, it, it's, it's not the best, best look, right? People are mm-hmm. watching you and saying, you know, you, you're coming in and you, the first thing you do is you think everybody deserves more money for doing what they're doing. But when I looked at it and I analyzed it, um, it, it was, the salary was so disproportionate to the workload and, and disproportionate to other um, elected official positions in our county, it, it didn't make sense. It wasn't right and it wasn't fair to the people that, that were serving in, the, in that regard, mm-hmm. right? So I believe the councilman position was like 9,600 and the mayor was about 11,000. I think that's about year, right. right. No benefits, nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at school board, school board pays approximately 36,000, commission pays over 40. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have retirement, don't they? And and they do. Pension? Well, yeah, the, the the school board actually does. And the uh, county, I think, pay into FRS. I'm I'm not sure about the county, but so they they were there was a there was a disproportionate level of compensation for the council, and I, I think the reason being was because it, it it is a tough conversation to have, right? And I I think the can got kicked, and nobody wanted to have it. Nobody wanted to have the courage to stand out in front and say this is not right, and we need to fix it, mm-hmm. right? And um and the the plan and the proposal that I put forth, we are still the council and the mayor are still the lowest paid of of the elected officials in the city. But one of the things we did do was we added benefits and and um and I felt strongly about adding the benefits piece to it because the people that represent us need to be healthy and and in in good mind and body to do the work. Mm-hmm. So if they need to see a doctor, 
they need to be able to have the means to do so because they're representing us. And if they're not healthy and in good mind and body, how are they going to represent the citizens of Palm Coast? Um, and then also there has to be a, a better level of, of financial compensation for the workload and the amount of time that it takes for somebody to be able to, to give that amount of time to do the job right. And, and mm-hmm. that, that is something that I felt strongly about. And that's why that, that second meeting, um, I came in uh, prepared and, and ready to put forth a solution to fix that problem. I remember being at that meeting. I think you might have had one of the longest um, just, just kind of like pontifications on it. Like when it got to you, I remember you spoke at length and you could sense you were con- conflicted on it. And it was that you could sense the weight of it when you got in there. And you know, I think you're definitely right with what you said in the beginning there, that it is uh, an uphill battle PR wise, even, yes. even in times where it's warranted. Um, when you're in a position where you have to be the one to vote on your own compensation, you know, they, even when you do deserve a raise, it's never going to look great from the start. And um, to to your credit, specifically yours and and, and Councilman Branquino's, uh, isn't that raise not, ta- didn't it not take effect until the new council? That is 100% correct. So I I, ne- I will never see a dollar of that money, right? Because yeah. it didn't start until the new people came in, right? And I was mm-hmm. good with that too, right? Because uh, again, then it showed how genuine I was about doing what's right because it, there yeah. was no financial impact to me whatsoever, mm-hmm. but it was the right thing to do. And the way that it's set up in the charter is that's how it's set up to set the compensation. Mm-hmm. It's set up that it, that it is voted upon by the council um, to set that, that compensation rate. Yeah. One thing I did do with, with the proposal that, um, that was eventually approved was um, now moving forward, uh, they will get the, annual cost of living increases to their salaries that the city employees get. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they will never have to touch it again. And that, that was when I was thinking about what proposal I was going to put forth, I wanted to put forth something that fixed it, not just for now, but so that we never have to touch it or do that again. Mm-hmm. So now we've set a salary, we've included benefits, and we put that that cost of living that's equivalent to what the other city employees get into the formula. Mm-hmm. So, so now hopefully um, we've solved that problem. Yeah. And, and so it was a hard decision. There are people that still don't uh, agree with it and, that, and that's okay. We're, we're never all going to agree on everything, but I feel strongly and I, I feel like um, we did what's right for the people that represent us. And they've got a way to make sure that um, if they need uh, to seek health benefits, health care, it's there for them, and that there's a way that um, the uh, the compensation will increase at the same rate and pace of other city employees. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you got an outcome that was relatively close to what you were hoping it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was also, there was an effort in some of the people who disagreed, they proposed an alternative of putting raises for the city council to referendum. Where that way, uh, and that's it's definitely a pro and con idea because it's on one hand it is out of the hands of the people you know who have a vested interest in the issue. Um, so, do is that an idea you thought had some merit? So um, that that's not the way the charter is set up, and it would to be, do it. It would be to amend the charter. To change, yeah. We'd have to amend By the charter to do it, and then we put it out for a vote. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, I mean, it's definitely something that could have been done. I, I think there would have it it would have made e- things even more politically contentious, and it, it it would have drug it out for a much longer period of time. Um, I, I think we came up with uh, with a solution that solved the problem, and um, I think it's a reasonable solution. If you look at at how we did it, we um, I looked at the average of like cities across the state of Florida that had a weak system mayor like we have here. So with the same form of government, because we know if it was a strong mayor, strong mayors are basically a city manager. We don't have that here. We're a weak system mayor set up. So um, I look for the same form of government. I looked at those counties that had like population sizes. And then I, I went with the average. I didn't go with the highest, even though I think we are the best city. And I'm biased <laughs> to that. But I think we've got something amazing here that nobody else has. I mean, it's a beautiful place to live. And the amenities and the things we have are phenomenal. But I went with the average salary, not the lowest, not the highest, but but right in the middle. So I, I think it was a fair proposal. Um, I think um, adding that that benefits piece to make sure that our council and mayor have access to health care and, and are in good sound mind and body when they're up there making decisions for us and then putting that that cost of living um, equivalent to the other city employees has solved the problem and now hopefully we can move forward and it's something that will never have to be addressed again. Mm -hmm. Now and speaking of issues that you hopped right into the middle of uh, when you got on there uh, the Green Lion Cafe. (laughs) Several several issues along the way. There's another one. Um, so I know, and I, I should have had the numbers in front of me, but I know that this was ongoing when you got into the council already, because I remember the role that then councilman Barbosa played, uh, before he resigned, uh, in that issue. So now we are moving to where it looks like another ownership group is Mm -hmm. likely going to move into that building, uh, over at the golf course there. Um, now that you're away from the council, maybe a bit more of a 3000 foot view, uh, how do you feel about how that played out? So that that was one that was tough, right? Um, and and there it, it went around and around, and it was pushed back and pushed down the road, and, and and kept going. The one thing that I came back to each and every time with that is that I, I felt strongly that the city should not subsidize a restaurant. It's not fair to other business owners, and it's not fair to the citizens. So my big piece in that was I felt that we needed to be at a break-even cost. I don't think the city needs to make money renting these facilities, but we at least need to break even on them, right? Mm-hmm. And and then um, and then what we're doing is the whoever does rent that facility is providing an amenity to the golfers on the course, and we and we have that in a few other um, scenarios. So there there is a benefit to the public in doing it. But I also think it shouldn't be subsidized by the citizens to make that happen. And, and that's really where I fell in it. Um, I was I, I did feel bad that um, that negotiations kind of fell apart there. I know at, at one point down the road, um, Councilman Clufus was out when he came back. He had put forth a nomination to try one more time to, to renegotiate that. I did second that, but um, but it but it failed. Um, because, you know, um, it's not about who is there. To me, it was just about that there was no um, burden on the citizens of Palm Coast to make that happen. So, And, and to that point, the burden of the citizens, um, 
I do want to bring up um, as, as a counter to that, um, not that I'm trying to advocate either point, but just to, to, to unpack that. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the, the residents who came to the meeting who uh, voiced their opinion were pretty overwhelmingly in favor of do whatever it takes to get a deal with with these guys within within yeah. reason the, the emotions were very very high it was a business i think people were really emotionally invested in it was very popular it was beloved good reviews um and i've never eaten there even though it sounds like i have from the way i describe it um <laughs> but um so i know it would be nice to put everything to a referendum and have, have the gauge of the people precisely on every single issue um but did, how much did it play into your opinion on it seeing how just how extremely strongly in support of a deal the residents who came to the meeting were. How what, how much did that influence how you handled that? So prior to being on the council, I, I have eaten at the, the Green Line before, and I, I have wonderful experiences there. The, the service was great. The food was wonderful. Um, and, and I understand where those residents were coming from because they liked the food. They liked the service. Um, but I didn't, I didn't consider that in, in my decision-making. Uh, my decision making was specifically on um, should the city subsidize a restaurant, um, and and it wasn't about is the food good or you know is the service good or anything like that for me. It was really about getting to a break even point, and and that's when my my direction and and um, the feedback that I gave was really about. I would love for them to remain there. Um, uh, you know, the citizens really enjoy this restaurant. We just have to do it to where it's not costing taxpayer money to, to support that restaurant. And, and that was always my direction to the city. If we could get to that, I would love for them to stay. Um, if not them again, whoever it is, it's, it's not up to us to decide what food they serve or, or any of those different particulars. It's just it has to be at least a cost neutral um, venture for the city. It, it cannot we cannot use taxpayer dollars. We have other things that we need to use those dollars for to support the citizens of Palm Coast beyond um, a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And to to kind of um, bookend talking about the city council before we move on to your, your school's career. Mm-hmm. Um what accomplishments, just just overall, that since you've been on the council, would you be most proud of while you served? I think we really worked through some very difficult issues that, that had been bubbling up for a while, right? Whether it was council compensation or the Green Lion, um, you know, or, or just um, creating very strong strategic plan moving forward, looking at how we're going to find and divert dollars to pay for repaving of the roads. So I, I think during my, my short time up there, my goal was, let's get it done. Let's work through some of these big issues. Let's make some final decisions on them and let's move forward. Um, and, and instead of, I know a lot of times um, things would get discussed and then they would, they would be pushed back to the next meeting. Or this. So I, I really feel like there were several big things during that time that we were able to make some very tough decisions on and and they're done now. Mm-hmm. And and we've reached a resolution and we're moving forward. And and I feel good about that. I feel like we we did the work, right? We did the work, we we made tough decisions, and and in that nine months now, I feel good that as I, I left the dais, and, and I mentioned this, I feel like I left the city just a little bit better than, than I found it nine months ago. Awesome. 
So uh, kind of shifting gears to your uh, career with the schools, mm-hmm. um, you are, correct me if I'm wrong, the coordinator of student support and behavior. So that title has changed slightly, but the work is still the same. So the new title is coordinator of behavior and conduct management. Gotcha. Well, I got that from your Facebook page. So Yes. Yeah, I probably need to update <laughs> that. So it's a new title. The board actually voted on it and switched it this year. Um, so it, it, it's very similar to what I, I was doing with just a few little tweaks here and there. Gotcha. So um, your your career on the council is pretty straightforward. You applied and you got the job. Mm-hmm. Um, your career with the school district has been a little more um, a little more of a traditional, long developing thing. So mm-hmm. um, tell me how you got to working with Flagler Schools and how you got to where you are today. Sure, sure. So um, you know I'm a long time resident of Palm Coast. So I went to Flagler County Schools. I I went Wadsworth Elementary was my elementary school. So I went to Wadsworth Elementary, Buddy Taylor, um, FPC. I graduated. I'm a bulldog. Go Bulldogs. Go Bulldogs. Right. So, um, so I, you know, I, I went to college for education. I came back. Um, and when I finished my degree, I started subbing right away. So I started out as a substitute um, teacher, which is a really fun position, right? Because every day is a new challenge. You're all over the place. So one day I'm in middle school, uh, another day I may be subbing PE, another day I'm in kindergarten. So (laughs) you really kind of, you get your feet wet and you get to see all of these different, you know, uh, schools and and grade levels. And uh, I was hired on as a third grade reading intervention teacher at Old Kings Elementary in uh, in 2001. So that's where I, I cut my teeth on education there. And I, I was there for four years. Um, and while I was there, I, I had a professor. I went back to school to get, I, I really enjoyed what I was doing. And I, I wanted to make a long-term career out of education. So I, um, I went back to school to get a master's degree in ed leadership. And uh, one of my professors, Tim Huth, was the deputy superintendent of Volusia County Schools. And um, he said to me, John, I want you to come to Volusia. I want to help grow you as a leader. So um, I had an opportunity. I I went over to Volusia County. I was a teacher there one year. I went through their um, administrator training program. And the next year I was hired as an assistant principal out at Pearson Elementary. Okay. So I was at Pearson. um, That was my first administrative role as an assistant principal for three years. I went to Discovery Elementary for a year and a half. And next thing you know, a position opened up for an assistant principal at Watchworth Elementary. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't pass up the opportunity to be an administrator at the school where, where I went to school as a kid, right? Like to me, the pride in that, the sense of pride to come back home to where, to where I got an education, to me, that just meant so much. And, um, and I was an assistant principal there for two and a half years under Robin DuPont, and then I became principal of Wadsworth for four years. Then another opportunity presented itself, and I was able to go over and be the principal of Buddy Taylor, and then and then the county office was calling. So for the past, this is my fifth year now, um, I've been at the county office. Hmm. Was there always uh, an intention to make it back to Flagler while you were in Volusia? Was that always kind of a goal? You know, it was it was always I kind of am a person where I like change and I go with the flow. So I, I kind of just, you know, I, I, I prayed about it and I, I kind of let the Lord guide me and, and where I where I go and, and what I do. And, you know, I, I 
I just took it as it came. But I tell you, when I saw that opportunity for for Wadsworth, I just I knew I had to I had to put my name in. Yeah. And um, for a, a little little timeline uh, thing, uh, when I went to elementary school, Bunnell Elementary in the early 2000s, um, I remember when Mr. DuPont was yes. the assistant principal and I believe later the principal, if yes. I remember correctly. And uh, Miss Pearson was the principal for a little bit there. Uh-huh. Sure. Who, who she is one of the most interesting people to talk to just in the whole county. She has so many good stories and insight from her long, long career. Just as a little oh, tangent. Yes. Um, so anyone listening, if you ever get the chance to talk to Miss Phyllis Pearson, definitely do so. Um, so you moved from, uh, it was principal of Wadsworth and then principal uh, Buddy Taylor, Buddy Taylor, and uh, then straight, was it straight into the, I know you said the position changed a little bit into the position essentially that you're in now. So originally, um, I was brought over to the County office to, uh, to build a mental health and social work program for the district as well as as do the behavior piece. So the behavior piece was there, but um, at the time, uh, Superintendent Tager called me in and said, hey, there's an opportunity to, to build and design a new program for our district. This was after Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Schools were given um, mental health dollars to provide um, counseling therapy and support to students, um, but we had to build it and design it. They just handed us the money and said, you know, make it happen. So um, I, I kind of had to take off my Department of Education hat, really put on a Department of, of, of Health hat because um, mental health doesn't fall under the Department of Education. So I, I kind of had to switch gears. I had to do a lot of learning and research, looking at licensure because um, in, under DOE, everything's certification. Under um, mental health, everything's um, licensure. And, and Department of Health. So I, I worked with uh, a lot of community partners and I, I went through a lot of trainings and and um, built a very robust mental health and social work program, so much so, and it got so big now that um, we have uh, one of our, our former social workers has stepped up and she is now our counseling coordinator for the district, Miss Brandy Williams, and so skilled and so knowledgeable and does an amazing job. So it got so large that it, it's actually now it's its own position, its own own department. Mm-hmm. Um, in your position uh, with the school district, um, I know now we have a new school board. Mm-hmm. Uh, three out of five members are now just changed. The seats uh, changed. Two were yeah. voted out. One left of her own volition. Um, how much have you been able to work with the new board members uh, since they've gotten into office? So um, I've had an opportunity to meet them. I, I'm not going to say that I've had an opportunity to work with all of them. Of course, I, I've worked with Dr. Conklin for many, many years. And, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, just she is a wealth of, of resources and knowledge of, of everything, Flagler schools and education in general. Cheryl Massaro, I've had a, an opportunity to work with her quite a bit because part of my job um, is is working also with DJJ. And she has been heavily involved with DJJ for a, for a long, long time and with our youth centers. And um, she she knows um, Flagler schools just as well as about anybody in, in her career and helping students um, across our district. So I, I've had longstanding and working relationships with the two of them. Um, I've had an opportunity to meet our three new board members and have brief conversations with them, but I'm really looking forward to some, uh, some fresh eyes and a different perspective and, um, and seeing what they have to offer and bring to the table 
uh, for Flagler schools. Absolutely. And um, we've seen a couple, a few elections that are on on the school board. It's gotten, I think, more political, safe to say. It's gotten more political, more emotionally driven issues have arisen. And you work in a field in the district where a lot of the times it's the same issues are are relevant, like mm-hmm. um, like some of the content, whether or not it would be allowed in schools. I know that can tie into mental health, especially in mm-hmm. um, groups like you know students who are LGBT, students who mm-hmm. deal with um, you know who are if they're a racial minority who might have experiences tied into that. Um, so as we're getting just so many so many quick changes in the board's ideology from year from election to election to election, um, how does that affect your job there? Just kind of. With, with the tone kind of always seeming to like, it, it might just change, make a right turn in the next election. So if that made any sense. So no, it does. It does make sense because yeah, there's, you know, there, there are definitely politics and education. I, I personally believe that there, there should not be. I, I think mm-hmm. when it comes to our children, it's, it's about um, what's best for our children, regardless of, of any type of partisan politics. Right. right. Um, but, but there's definitely always um, different opposing views there of, of, of um, what is right in in regards to our children. What what I and this is something that I've I've really done a lot of of soul searching on is is where do I stand on those things, right? And mm-hmm. and what does that look like for me? And the one thing that I always come back to is it's our job to educate students, and it's parents' job to raise them. It, it's not our job to raise them. They they are raised in the home with with the values and and ethics and and morals and religious beliefs of their family. And that's the parents' right to do that. It's their children, right? Mm -hmm. It's our job to provide them with a a solid education. And it's our job to give them the knowledge, skills, and abilities that they need to to be happy and successful in life, whatever that looks like for them, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not up to us to decide. That's up to them to decide what what those knowledge, skills, and abilities look like. so that's that's kind of where I, I fall on it is I want every kid to be happy and I want every kid to be successful. What does success look like? That's up to them to decide. Mm-hmm. And um, and just one more kind of with that issue in particular, um, if it is like a social issue, uh, a lot of times maybe students might not feel entirely comfortable speaking with with parents about it. And certainly that doesn't mean the parent doesn't have a role, but what what can you do uh, in you, you and your job and as a school district overall, what can be done for a student who, for any reason at all, doesn't feel comfortable taking that to the home and, and seeks out someone from the district to, um, to sort of get guidance on that? Uh, I know there have been laws that have changed mm-hmm. what your answer to that maybe could be, but um, what, what could you do for a kid there who specifically seeks out the school? So, um, Parent Bill of Rights is, I, I believe, the law that, that you're alluding to. And, and that does say that the, the parent has the right to guide their child in decision making and, and educational practices. Um, so a lot of times um, if they do come to somebody on campus with something like that, we just encourage them to speak with their parent about it. So, so we'll encourage them to speak with their parent about it. Sometimes we can help to address what their hesitations may be. Um, but, but going back to it, and Parent Bill of Rights is pretty, pretty clear about this, that, um, that the parent needs to be informed and know about what's going on. So sometimes we have to tell a student up front, like, if you share this with me, 
I may have to share this information with your parents. So just you need to know that before we have this conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. So some of the best thing we can do is just let the students know, like, you know, what you're telling me, I may not be able to keep in confidentiality and just know that up front. Mm -hmm. Now, and out of curiosity, just procedurally, I know we're in the process of school districts having to roll out this law now, and it's not done by any means. We're still figuring out how to implement it. <laughs> um, I know, and I know you're not a, a guidance counselor or a school psychologist, but yeah, would that be a resource maybe um, where a student might not, like they might not have to tell the parent if they're like a psychologist? And I'll, this is just me out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Do you know the answer to that? So, so there's lots of interpretations of the law. So mm-hmm. they, they put out the law, but they don't tell you how to interpret it. They don't give you all the rules to it, right? right they just say, right. don't do this, do this, you know, but it's not clear. It's, it's gray. There's a mm-hmm. lot of gray matter of, of when and how and where and what. Um, so for the most part, um, it applies to everybody who, who works in a school building. So it's not, there's no differentiation between a a school counselor or a psychologist. We fall, we all fall under that same set of of laws and responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, again, we, we do, uh, and we have shared with our, our school counselors, our psychologists that, um, that they let students know that if that information is, is brought to them, that, they may have a responsibility to have to share that information with the parent. Gotcha. And then like say, I know it's, it's, it's early and maybe the perfect solution isn't there in place really probably anywhere in the state yet, but it's, you know, learning and it's good to know there is, uh, there is a resource uh, mm-hmm. out there for them. So uh, that's pretty much all that I had uh, for the interview. Um, we're at a pretty clean time now. So if there's any, is there any other information you wanted to get out um, to our listeners before we cap it off? Um, so I, I did have actually a question for you. Um, sure. So you were at Bunnell Elementary. Yeah. Uh, and you said you had um, Richard DuPont and, and Dr. Pearson were your principals. Did you have a principal, Kate Godby? How do you spell that last name? G-O-D-B-E-E, Godby. Oh, that sounds familiar. I, it's, been, it's been a while since then. I so, so it was many years ago, but Kate Gobby was actually the principal of Bell, Bell Elementary and her assistant principal was Dr. Phyllis Pearson. Okay. Um, Kate Gobby was my principal when I was assistant principal out at Pearson. Oh, wow. She's a very close uh, personal friend of mine and a great mentor. And, and I was just wondering if, if you knew her because uh, oh, yeah, she's, right. a, she's a very special person to me. Did she, did she get into like the district office? She did in Volusia County. Yes. Maybe that's where I know her from because I know um, Dr. Pearson was the like the, the principal of Bell yes. by the time I had gotten there. So if she was oh, principal okay. before Dr. Pearson, I might have missed her by a little bit. I I want to say my first year in Flagler Schools was 03, 04, okay. somewhere in that range. Okay. So yeah, I think I might have just missed her. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, she's just a just a great lady and a, and a mentor to me and a, and a good friend for many years. So I didn't know if you knew her or not. Well, that's awesome. I just missed yeah. her. But if anyone in our listenership who might be a few years older than me may remember her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, all I, all I can say is, you know, um, love the city of Palm Coast. Love what's going on here. I have three small children here and I'm, I'm so excited for um, the future of the city of Palm Coast. And I, and I hope that we're able to create such such a beautiful place here that my children will never want to leave. Awesome. John, thank you so much for coming in. This has been Talk Flagler. Uh, be sure to check us out. Um, well, you're probably already streaming this somewhere, but we're on Spotify, Apple Music. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Bye.